0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. The age-old question is what we are addressing on the program this week, which is this, what is God's will for my life? Now, obviously, when people ask that question, they're asking generally a very specific question regarding themselves personally. What is God's will for my life? As in, is it God's will that I marry so and so? What is God's will for my job or my calling? What is God's will for my education? What is God's will for the church that I go to? And those, of course, are all really good questions. But I believe that's the wrong place to start. We must start first with general principles before we get to the specifics. If we start with specifics, then we're going to go astray. So what is God's will for our lives most generally? The Puritans, in writing the Westminster Confession of Faith, were most interested in answering this question. In fact, they put it as the first question in the Shorter Catechism. So the very first question is this, what is the chief end of man? And here's the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So brothers, let's walk through this. What did the Puritans mean here by talking about a chief end?
1: Well, the chief end of a thing means the chief purpose for which which it was created or made. For instance, the chief end of a window is to let in light. Um, by the same token, the reason for our existence as human beings, it's not going to be found inside of ourselves, but it's going to be found in the one who created us. We've been created in the image of God, male and female, and we're to reflect that image. Um, could. could add more to that but uh you know the the, the whole the whole idea is that uh, we should uh, with that design desire to have as our desire and direction of our life uh, those things which bring praise and glory to God we're ne- we're meant to be god-centered and not self-centered and that's really the problem with humanity since the falls we're self-centered so we don't really get the chief end in our life because of that we're to serve him and take delight in him. And so to speak of the chief end of man is to point to what we ought to know and believe concerning God and what duty God requires of us. And, uh, you know, there are subservient ends. You know, there's the end of, you know, being uh, taking care of our family and having that vocation. Uh, Those things come to mind. There's subservient ends, rest and relaxation, eating and drinking. All those things are subservient to the primary one, which is to glorify God
2: and enjoy Him. Mm. And this goes back to what you said in the introduction, Josh. I mean, it's the idea of all those other questions are fine, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the place to start. Mm-hmm. And so the Westminster is helpful in saying, well, where is the place to start? What's the chief? What's the main? What's the the essential mm-hmm. of who you are and then once you answer that correctly, then it's, it's it is appropriate to then go to the subservient ones that that Jonathan was talking about. There's other things that are important. There, yeah. We do have other purposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 not healthy to get them in the wrong order. Yeah. But I mean, are, if you're running they're all under r-
1: that umbrella of yep. of, of the chief end.
2: If I know that I have to run a race, then I'm looking at the
0: finish line as my goal. And I know that once I have that goal in mind, then I know okay, at the four minute mark I have to be at this time or at the, I know you're looking at me, you're thinking you're not running (laughs) any (laughs) race. This this example
2: isn't working for me. Okay, (laughs) wrestling. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's good to have the goal of the finish line in in sight. That's your chief end. That's your main purpose. But along the way, you're looking on the ground if you're running a cross country race and saying, okay, I better make sure my footing's where it ought to be. Yeah. That doesn't change what your chief purpose is. Yeah. So there are lesser purposes. Yeah. I want to know where I'm at in the race, where my pace is, what, I'm, what terrain I'm running on. Yep. All of those matter, yep. but they're not ultimate. Yep.
0: Right? I remember uh, we're in the studio right now, and I, I was only about two or three miles away from where we're at right now like 10 years ago, and I heard that question on the radio for the first time. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And it was so mind-blowing because I had been a Christian my whole life, and i never heard that before that's actually profound brothers mm-hmm. i know that you kind of have the advantage of kind of being in you know that kind of
1: reformed confessional tradition longer than i have but for some of our listeners they've probably never heard that and and the and the wording chief end is somewhat confusing to some people you know what they don't automatically translate that into our purpose that's right yep okay so then let's just keep on kind of you know, uh
0: chipping away at this uh, question, what does it mean to glorify God?
1: Um, can we glorify God only in in the church? Well, I think when we think about those subservient uh things purposes, you know where we said it could be such things as rest and relaxation, even or eating and drinking first corinthians ten thirty one actually brings that out so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God, and so when we think about glorifying God, we're not talking about making him glorious because he's already glorious, he's already perfect. There's nothing that we can do that will add one infinitesimal amount to the glory of God. Um, but, uh, in fact, we're told that in Matthew 5:48, God is perfect. In fact, we're called to put the goal in mind, you ought to be perfect because your heavenly Father is perfect perfect. But the standard that God demands of his people uh, you know, it reflects that character. And so this is what we do when we glorify him. We glorify God um, by reflecting the character as a ch- child of God.
2: Hmm. Imitation is the, the highest f- form of, of flattery. And so we ref- we're to reflect God in, in our lives. We're to become like Jesus Christ, that we're being transformed from one degree of glory into another, and mm-hmm. that, that degree of glory is to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And God, in his word, helps us with that to simplify that and says, well, how do, how do you do that? Well, he says, really, you can summarize everything that I've said and say, well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You love your neighbor as yourself. But then he goes on and begins to say, well, what is, what is love? What does that mean? Well, love mm-hmm. means to obey him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so... Why do we obey him? We obey him to reflect him mm-hmm. because his law is holy and righteous, and what he wants is us. To, and he is holy and righteous, and so he wants us to be like him. And so that's why when you quote from First Corinthians ten thirty one, that that's an all of life. Mm-hmm. That's in the details, yeah. um, the mundane things of eating and drinking. Yeah. You do that to the glory of God, but you do that in your work. You do that in your home. You do that. Um, in the privacy of, of your heart and your mind yeah. um, every aspect of life is in obedience to God to put um, in essence put him on display yeah right, right. yep right well
0: let's quickly the, go to
2: the second part of that question then because
0: uh, is to the, the, the answer is man's chief and his glorify God and to enjoy him forever um, what does it mean to enjoy him are glorifying God and enjoying him two different things?
1: Uh, you know, the, one of the interesting things is John Piper famously kind of conflates those things in his book, uh, Desiring God, saying we glorify God by enjoying him. You know, it's not glorify God and enjoy him, but glorify God by enjoying him forever. Um, he says glorifying God and enjoying him are one end. They're not two different ends. He uh, and he says, it's not like ham and eggs; like you can have one and not the other. They're they're together. Um, it's not that sometimes God gets the glory and sometimes we get the joy. Uh, they're they're together in that sense. Um, there's an overlap there, you know, but we don't reduce God's glory to my enjoyment alone. So that overlap isn't a perfect overlap. They're inseparably linked so that we don't speak about the one without the other. We can't enjoy God or glorify him without seeing and pointing to his many perfections, his moral um, excellence and character, his greatness, his gravitas, you know, the wonder of who he is. Um, but when we enjoy, we ultimately enjoy God when we see and rest in him as our own ultimate good. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, Jesus says uh, to those that were questioning him at one time, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good, that is God. Only God is good. And so if we're going to enjoy God, we need to know how good he is Mm -hmm. and how wonderful he is as his person. So that's why the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge
2: in him. Yeah, I think, well, maybe you guys won't agree with this, but I think at the beginning of the Christian life, they feel a lot more different Mm-hmm. They feel a little bit like "I've got two choices I can glorify God, and I can have my own enjoyment um, and I think as we grow in the Christian life, we realize that because God is so good and gracious, he gives us the the that which is best, which is himself mm-hmm. and I think in our sinfulness we try to find enjoyment um we try to find purpose in things and other um, lesser entities and then god comes along and says no if you find in everything that if you make my glory your chief end what you'll find is that also brings with it your greatest happiness your greatest joy yeah and i think that's a process yeah and I think when I was young, you kind of look at it and say, oh, if I have to obey God and follow God, I have to give up all of these things that I want. Which
0: is the first lie in the garden. it
2: is. And then over time, you begin to say, oh, wait a minute. What God is asking of me is actually what is best for me. Mm -hmm. And it's because I'm getting to experience him. I I get to have union and communion with him. And that is... um, The chief end is to glorify him by enjoying him, by by finding all of what we want in him alone. This question
0: really marries duty and delight together. Piper has this great illustration where he says, if I come home, bring flowers to my wife. And she says, oh, John, why did you get these flowers for me? And he says, well, because it was my duty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk about a mic drop. I mean, I don't th- think those are going to end up in a vase. <laughs> no, they're not. But he says, and God, and God, the point is, is that God doesn't want mercenary worship from us. But if He comes home and says, you know, because I love you, I delight in you, then He mm-hmm. actually honors His wife. We cannot glorify God without enjoying Him with our wills. I mean, actively. Okay, okay so we great. have about a minute and a half left. We got to ask this last question. How does this catechism question help us then? discern the will of God for our life.
1: Well, I think that in the end, we ask ourselves, are my actions, are my goals um, designed to honor God's name? Can I enter into this activity with confidence before God? Is this kind of an obedience or a disobedience to God's known will for followers of of Christ? Um, You know, the the whole question comes down to where do I learn to glorify and enjoy God? And the answer is in the Bible alone. Russ had mentioned something earlier about you know having all these other enjoyments. You know, C.S. Lewis famously said, "It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what it's like to be offered a
2: holiday at sea. We are too easily pleased." Mm. At the end of the day, if we want to glorify God, we should care what God thinks. Mm-hmm. And we find that in God's word. And we would want to say, well, this choice or this decision or this action speak well of God, or will it bring dishonor to his name? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we want to know what he's given as principles in his word. We want to, to make sure that we reflect him well in the decision-making that we we make. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening
0: to the Gospel for Life. This week on the broadcast, we're talking about uh, the question, what is God's will for my life? I hope that you continue to tune in the rest of this week because we're going to get into some, um, I think, some very specific questions that will help you or your or your son or your retiring parent answer some of these questions. So uh, tune in next time. We'll see you.